You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can always join our private Facebook group. It's getting popping. So go and give that a join. There's a link in the description below that you can click and you can get right into it. Um, it's summer and it's hot as balls. I'm literally burning up in my apartment with my AC on 69 right now. Um, and I have like central air and like insulation. I don't really know what those words mean, but I know they're important when it comes to like AC and heat. So I'm saying them. But I'm telling you right now, if you are burning up like I am, which most of the country is, you're going to want to get some no filter rosé. I'm calling it my housewives watching wine. I crafted it with my partners at Elix and they're four fun designs, one good clean wine with less than a gram of sugar, 12.8% alcohol. So you'll get Liddy City, but they're in four fun designs. Today I'm drinking I Stole Kim's Goddamn House um, because... I'm feeling very I'm feeling very inspired by by the Richard sisters, Kathy, Kyle, Kim. I'm feeling very sad for Kim because those photos came out about her and I'm like, girl, we need to get you some help. But much love to the Richard sisters. I hope they steal more goddamn houses the same way Sutton stole Kyle's goddamn house this week. Also this week, I did the Know That podcast. I did Oh No Bravo Live, and I did Haley Ringo's show, Landed with Haley Ringo, which is available on YouTube, Oh No Bravo on Instagram, and Know That podcast on iTunes and Spotify. So if you want to listen to my hot takes on Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Ramona's Coochie, go and give those a follow because they're a lot of fun. And today I'm doing another fun collab um, with one of my good friends that I literally talk Bravo and Housewives and reality TV and pop culture with every day. And we're going to be diving into the Bethany of it all because we can't stop talking about Bethany and her new pizza that has like erectile dysfunction. Um, we're going to be talking about Yashar Ali because there have been some exposés about that homeboy. And we're going to be talking about Orange County because there's a lot that's happened with Orange County over these past few days. So Without further ado, please welcome my good friend, the host of Hot Takes and Deep Dives, Miss Jess Rothschild. Hey, Zach. How you doing, boo? I'm good. I'm I'm actually drinking my Mention It All. I love it. I'm ready to mention it all. Because, I, I mean, Bethany is my one true love, despite the fact that she came out with that idiotic wine and now this fake pizza. I can't with it. Um, well, Jess and I are drinking these. You can get them at nofilterwine.com, which I forgot to say, and I... I can't say it enough. Nofilterwine.com to get some some of my new rosé. What did you think? Because we've talked about this, and I think I briefly mentioned this on this podcast, but mostly on like my Thursday Instagram lives. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts of Bethany overall? We saw that she ha- she launched this like fake wine, and now she has a skinny girl pizza. First of all, she's selling this pizza, I believe, on either QVC or still HSN. I think who it's buys, HSN. Who buys pizza over their television? Nobody like now. Everyone- that's my that's my main question. Um, what do I think? Well, it's interesting that she's calling it skinny girl pizza. Like I thought we were moving away from the skinny girl brand uh, brand. So that's confusing. I feel like it's very strange. I mean, I'm getting shades of like the deli meat. Yeah. You know, she's just venturing out into the other thing, too, is it's a gluten free cauliflower crust pizza, which can be good if done right. But that trend happened like two years ago. You know what I mean? It's a frozen pizza. I believe it's a frozen pizza. What is she doing? That was my understanding of it. And that's, I feel like, the other thing that's really off about her marketing is, like, you don't know what anything is. Like, when she launched her Forever Young Rose, which is, or wine, which isn't even her wine and has been around for several years. And some people are like, oh, well, maybe she's just an investor. But she never said that she was an investor. The headlines were Mm. Bethany launches a new wine. But when she did that, I had to like do work to find out where the wine is available, how much it is. I didn't even realize that there were multiple. There was reds, whites, rosés, because on the big shot with Bethany, that's all we got was like this really pretty bottle rosé that never came to fruition, apparently. I guarantee we will never hear her talk about this forever young thing again. It was ha- it was a hashtag ad. That's all it was. 
And you, you want to, I don't know if I share with you my, my prediction for Bethany, like in terms of like where she's going to go from here, I can give you like sort of my, um, my prediction of what I think she's going to do. Yes. I want to know, but I'm going to read her, her pizza announcement oh, yes. first. Yes, yes, yes. Big delicious news. I love an amazing thin pizza, which is why I'm so excited to be launching skinny girl pizza worldwide. We shouldn't have to sacrifice flavor to eat healthier. My gluten-free pizza has a cauliflower-based crust, savory sauce, and topped with gourmet ingredients for a quick, better-for-you meal. Even if you're not gluten-free, low-carb eater, you will love these pizzas. Sold on HSN. Wow. Like, I don't even understand. And, like, it doesn't even look delicious. If you look at her eating the pizza, it's like falling. That's not what pizza's supposed to look like. And like, you're right. I don't know. Is it a frozen pizza? Is I mean, I would assume it's a frozen pizza. Yeah, it has to be. Well, how else is at HSN at HSN, which she wrote twice? How else is that going to like the, these things aren't even proofread, which is funny because I talked about that with DJ Rose and Brody. Because remember how on the big shot, she was very yeah. much like everything has to be proofread and no typos and no spelling errors. And I've already caught two of them in that Instagram caption. But like when I'm pimping out my wine, I'm like, it's less than a gram of sugar, 12.8% alcohol. This is where you can get it. Nofilterwine.com. Like I'm like very much, you mentioned the details that are going to be important that are going to sell people. Mm -hmm. Limp pizza doesn't sell me. Very weird. What is your prediction for Bethany? Where is she, where is her life going to end up? Okay. So this is what I think. So now that she was dropped from the Mark Burnett deal, which by the way, I think I think that they probably had like a first look deal with her for like two years or something when they signed that contract. And I think because this show didn't land or wasn't, I think she was probably very difficult to work with and like really took over production. It doesn't seem like Mark Burnett really had any input at all, aside from just slapping his name on it. I think they were like, okay, let's part ways. And she's saying she left to have more freedom in her podcast, which is maybe one of the more insane things she has ever said ever said but because nobody leaves television for a stupid podcast and i say this like with peace and love like yeah. we're all podcasters right, and right, right. even including like the people listening to this like you probably have a podcast like yeah. you know what i mean it's like the barrier to entry is you know my dog right here you know is working on one so i think so prior to bethany coming back in season seven to Real Housewives of New York, she was pitching Andy a show called Bethany in Your Business, which was sort of like a Shark Tank show where she would almost like a Tabitha takes over. And he was the one who said, you need to be on an ensemble if you're going to like reenter <laughs> society or whatever, you know, after the talk show failed, it's like it needs to be an ensemble. And that's how she was brought back into Housewives. I don't think she will ever go back to Housewives. I think she's going to repitch this Bethany in your business idea and it'll wind up on Bravo or Peacock. I think mm. Bravo would take or NBC Universal would take her back in a second. Well, I think what people also forget about um, the Mark deal is when you go into these deals, there's usually like a six months to a year, like let's test the waters. There's usually a contingency period of like, let's see if this is worth signing a long-term deal. I don't think she signed, like you said, a multi-year deal and that contingency period probably expired and they were both kind of like, I don't think this is going to work because they were probably pushing her to produce content that would actually work. And she was probably like, no, I want it done my way because I know because I created the Skinny Girl Margarita and that was wildly successful. But it's like, what have you done since the Skinny Girl Margarita that's been wildly successful? Correct. Yeah. I mean, Skinny Girl Deli Me isn't really, you know, popping off at, at Whole Foods. Yeah. I mean, Skinny Girl Margarita is good. Somebody gave it to me for my birthday last week, which I thought was kind of funny. Somebody gave oh me a God, bottle. Oh my God, what did of you Skinny think Girl. of it? I've had it before. It's not bad. Like it's a, it's a, you know, it's a cheap hooker. It, it accomplishes the job. It's like nine dollars at CVS. Like it's not. You How know. much alcohol is in it? I believe it's twelve point seven. Oh really? Yeah. 
Okay. Because I believe it was you and I that put our heads together and figured out that it was three cans of Loverboy that equal one of your yeah. wine. So, yeah. yeah. Cause Loverboy is, I want to say 4.6% alcohol. And so these cans are 12.8. And so I was comparing them to like Fabellini and Skinny Girl and Loverboy. Yeah. So one can is equal to three Loverboys, but one of these cans is equivalent to. I mean, it's a little bit stronger. I think it's 12.4% alcohol is her is her um, skinny girl margarita. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. I like, like I said, it's not bad. Like, I can drink it and I can appreciate it for what it is. You know, it's like. I can't believe somebody found. Oh, you're right. You were telling me if they sell it at CVS. Yeah, they sell By it the at way, CVS. I looked at my CVS. Nowhere to be found. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they have it at CVS. It used to be at Target. And I that's where I first found it because it was on sale for like $7 at Target. And I was like, oh, let me try a Skinny Girl Margarita. And then like two weeks later, it was like no longer at Target. And then I saw it at CVS. So they're around. Yeah. But I think it's more, yeah, they're around. But yeah, yeah I mean, Skinny Girl Jeans seems to be doing okay. She said on the big shot that her best selling product was shapewear, which I was really surprised by. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised but, by that because I think the consumer who buys into the skinny girl idea, they would buy like the women who are going to drink the margarita are the same women who are going to buy the jeans and the shapewear. I think just like I think just like knowing like a female audience, shapewear is something that I think any woman would buy and if they feel a connection to Bethany like it's probably just like easily yes, accessible or whatever yes, but when you hear people talk about shapewear they talk about skims or they talk about what's the other one the really popular one that's not popular anymore because of Kim Kardashian Spanx that's it there we go I don't know why I remember when Jill Zarin had squeeze couture yeah and then I- Heather had yummy tummy tea Heather Hella Thompson had yummy tummy whatever do we know what Heather Thompson is doing business-wise now? Fighting with Leah on Real Housewives. I mean, like, has and anybody d- a podcast. dug it? Yeah, but okay, but what's, like, paying I no the bills? I-, I have no idea. Didn't, did she scale, uh, sell yummy tummy shapewear? Yeah. And apparently there was a whole scandal or something. I think she had issues with her partner in that. And there was, like, an ordeal that went on with, like, the split of yummy tummy. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what Heather's up to other than her podcast. It's probably why she ended up coming back on Housewives was because she thought like this would give her some airtime, some money, some attention to boost her podcast. And then it just, you know, went to shit really quickly. Um, Yeah. John Hill on this week's uh, Andy Cohen Live on Radio Andy, he was even saying like, oh, Andy was talking about doing Heather DeBro's podcast and John Hill, his co-host, was like, every housewife has a podcast. And Andy was like, yeah. But Brandy Glanville was the first. It's true. It's true. She started. Remember, remember in the reunion when Lisa Vanderpump was like, you're talking about me on my on your podcast. And now Lisa Vanderpump has a fucking podcast. Like, at what point is it going to be embarrassing? Or have we already reached that point where we should be embarrassed to have podcasts? I think we reached that point and now we're coming out on the other side of it. Because, like, think about Bethany has a podcast. Kim Kardashian has a podcast. Like, all of Mm. these other bigger names are changing the pot. Like, Spotify invested in podcasts. Apple's going to start charging for their podcast. Like, it's tipped. So, But it's also, like, how many of these people are going to launch these unsuccessful podcasts like Kate Hudson had a podcast like all these celebrities are launching these podcasts they're not very successful like I look at so many of the reality stars and I know you're like don't look at the charts but sometimes I look at the charts and I see my show ranking way higher than some of these other like actual names and I'm just like how like why are you even in what are you doing you need Bethany in your business so that's what you yeah. predict that she's going to read. She's going to launch Bethany in your business or try to launch that. And because I what, think what else what else is left? But at this point, is that even going to be like, what does she do? Like, I don't think these shows frankly, are her frank- lane. I actually think they should have done that Bethany in your business or whatever, maybe call it something else. But that sort of concept, that is what the HBO Max show should have been as opposed to just like a vanity project for her with this ridiculous thesis of we need to find a number two. That is what she should have done. And I really think it would have been successful. Okay. 
yes, and I'm going to tweak that idea to say it should have just been, because the best parts of the big shot were these like moments and scenes with her. You know what I mean? Where because she's a personality. She's not a te- she's not a talk show host. She's not a radio host. She's not um she's not really like this savvy um what a serial entrepreneur that she was kind of trying to pitch herself as, but if that's how she wants to brand herself, then it should be a reality show about the behind the scenes mechanics of the business of Bethany. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People would find that interesting because that's what made her so lovable on Housewives and that's what made her so lovable on Bethany Ever After and Bethany getting married was people loved watching the hot mess of her life and her just kind of rolling with the punches. And I think those were the scenes that I enjoyed the most on the big shot were of her and her personality and her interacting with her team and her showing her fashion and kind of being like, I'm a bad boss bitch. I didn't care to, I didn't fall in love with any of the characters on the show. Yeah. Same. I think reality TV is her format and, but she needs to be the star and it needs to be like that unscripted un because she clearly can't do a scripted format. That's why she's never been asked to do Shark Tank full time. That's why the big shot flopped. That's why her talk show didn't do well. Like she needs structure and she's bad at structure. And the only form of unstructured television she can do is reality. Yeah, of course. Yeah, dead on. She's great at sound bites. She's great at doing confessionals. Like that's her space. Like she needs to stay in her lane. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's, I can't wait to see what she does next. I mean, it, it it can't end here with the damn pizza. I don't know. I mean, the pizza's not going to go anywhere the same way the deli meat didn't go anywhere. And, and even with the Skinny Girl brand, it's becoming endorsement deals. Yes. This is my new sunglass line. Cheese. This is my yeah. new candle line. Cheese. This is my new vitamin line. Cheese. And it's like, you look like an, in, like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you selling? How are you marketing this brand? I think she's coming out with, uh, like Bethany luggage too. Oh God. Shay Mitchell's already doing that and she's very successful at it. Um, okay. Let's talk about real housewives of orange County because okay. everyone's talking about real housewives of orange County. I know you're not the biggest orange County subscriber. You don't really watch the show, but you've obviously seen the headlines over the weekend. Of course. Yes. I remember where I was cause it just happened. Uh, when I got, <laughs> when I got the news, Okay, so literally, so I was just um, out on Fire Island with Grant Rudder from Grant's Rants, your former uh, colleague over there at AfterBuzz. And literally, we, what was going on? Like, we went out to dinner, and then he was hanging out with some guy, and then he, and it was during that time, it was like 10 o'clock, I was like back in the room, we shared a room, Um, we did not make love, Mm. but... But uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I was laying in bed and I then saw the, I saw it. So this must have been about like 10 o'clock Eastern. And then he came in maybe two hours later and he was like, did you see the news? The next day we met up with this guy who we met, who's a huge Housewives fan. And the first thing out of his mouth was Heather Dubrow. Like, did you see? So it's the rollout of this was so strange in like the timing. I mean, there's a lot to say about the rollout of this information. Why did this drop at 10 p.m. Eastern? It leaked at 10 p.m. Eastern because the official announcement didn't come until the next morning when she tried to announce it on her podcast with Andy Cohen. So someone... This was a very well thought out... It was a very, she was, I think, very hands-on in the orchestration of yeah. the rollout to have Andy on the podcast. The next day, he's live on Andy Cohen Live talking about plugging her podcast. It was very, I mean, did Bethany have, when Bethany came back to Housewives in season seven, did she have this type of uh, media yeah, it was the B is did back. You? Remember the B is back and they did the oh whole photo shoot with her and she was doing yeah. press on all these like talk shows about how she was making a return to housewives. They did, I think, a bigger splash with Bethany than they did with Heather Dubrow. I think this was smarter for the time that we're in because obviously like media changes like every year, every two years, like it's so drastically different. Um, 
I do want to say, though, that I was the first podcast to reveal this information like two, three weeks ago about Heather Dubrow returning to the show before it leaked and dropped and became official. Like, I don't know how many times I've been the first to be like, so this is happening. And then it goes quiet for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden the official announcement drops. So so how, how do you so my, my question to you, because, yeah, like I'm not a huge OC fan, but I'm, I do. I am part of this world. So I know the players. How do you feel about this? Like, are you a Heather Dubrow fan? It seems like everybody is lit up about this news. Um, from my perspective, OC has just always been a wasteland. I know that the first like bunch of seasons were very beloved and everyone loves Tamara Judge. And I I will like watch a bit of it um, to sort of catch up. But how? What, what is your reaction to her coming back and the firings. Um, so I was very new to watching OC and Atlanta. 2020 was the first year I actually really, or actually no, 2019 is when I started watching OC. Um, so I, but I like to take a pulse. I like to take the temperature of the room. You know, I like to see where people are at. And I know a lot of people were really unhappy with OC. The 2020 season, they hated. Um, I think you have to kind of cut them a little bit of slack because it's like you have to factor in it was a pandemic production got shut down multiple times. They in, they tried to introduce a new housewife um, who didn't really get to mesh well with the women. The women didn't get to see each other very often. Production didn't get to orchestrate much very often because they were on like Zoom calls. So it wasn't the best season, but I didn't think it was a terrible season all things considered. You know what I mean? Considered our country was in this this civil unrest. We were in the middle of a global pandemic. Like all of these things were going on that like obviously affect people, you know, and where their headspace is at that, like, you know, I didn't think it was the worst season ever, but I think the show had just gotten away from what it originally was and it let go of all of all of its OGs. You lost Hammer Judge. You lost uh, Vicky Gunvalson. You still had Shannon Bedore, but I... I don't know. People are you either love Shannon or you hate Shannon. And I think Shannon was her best when she had Vicky and Tamara. They were like the trio. Yeah. The Trace of Megan. Like, yeah. Like Sonia and Ramona, like they're a package deal. You know, you kind of you either have that chemistry and alone. Like, I don't think Sonia could stand alone on the show as a full time without Ramona or Luann. I don't think Sonia would be the only living OG if she had to be the only living OG because she at this point has become so connected to like Ramona. The only living OG. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the others have sadly passed. The others have sadly. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, so but are I, you excited? Like, are you excited? Have you seen yes. the, the Heather Dubrow years? I didn't. So I've seen the Heather Dubrow clips. I've seen the memes. I know enough to know that she's one of the ones that would be. I don't know if it's fair to. to I wouldn't. I, I, she wouldn't be the Teresa or the Bethany. I think that would probably be like Vicky who would be the Teresa or the Bethany. But I think she was definitely a really good part of the formula back in the day. And there's been enough time and enough dust has settled that like, this is the perfect way to reintroduce her. If we're going to try and reboot the show, but still keep OG elements of it. Like it's the perfect way to push the show forward. She revealed because I listened to a bit of the the podcast, the episode that she did with Andy. She said that production started calling her to potentially come back back in December, which was before the reunion. Yeah. So they, I they, think, knew that this was really bad for a, for quite some time. They knew that it was really bad. It's interesting because I feel like part of the reason the show was struggling a bit is because you had such a juxtaposition with the women. You had somebody like Gina that lived in a very, that lived a more modest lifestyle. And then you had somebody like, um, Elizabeth Vargas, who was kind of the new girl who had a lot of like married inherit or yeah, money from her divorce that like you had this polarized like in Beverly Hills, they all have a lot of money. Some of them have fake money, but they all have a lot of money and live this ex this extravagant lifestyle in OC. You kind of it didn't really work like even with Bronwyn and, and Sean, like it was just the women didn't mesh and there was no cohesion. And I understand that like you need different characters to really fit the city, but like it just it wasn't working and the chemistry wasn't there and the lifestyle wasn't there. Like there was nothing that made it good. You know what I mean? And as far as the firings of Kelly Bronwyn 
and Elizabeth the Vargas. new one, Elizabeth, yeah. who like didn't really make a dent. Do you agree? Like, what was your reaction to these? Obviously, Elizabeth was going to be fired. But what was your reaction to the firings of Kelly and Bronwyn? Well, I was actually sad to see Elizabeth go because I feel like we didn't give her, we didn't get a chance to really see her as a housewife. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We didn't get to, and nor did she get an opportunity to even get to know the cast because she rarely got to see them, you know, except for these isolated cast trips or cast events that they would do that were weeks to months apart because of filming closures that it's like, how do you really get to know someone or really see who somebody is? I thought she deserved at least one more solid season. And I feel like we could have gotten rid of Gina instead of Elizabeth. Um, But she's gone now. Kelly Dodd, I think, dominated the show for many seasons. Um, I feel like she was a very important part of the formula that made Real Housewives of OC entertaining. Um, And I think that she very much represented an Orange County housewife. You know, she was very conservative. She was very outspoken. Her views were very reflective of the women in Orange County that I think if you're going to have a housewife of Orange County, she kind of really fit that conservative role and was one of the only few people that was willing to kind of go there. You know what I mean? Whereas a lot of the other conservative housewives don't. They're like, Ramona, I don't want to talk politics. I don't want to get into it. I don't. And whether you agree with them or not that representation is still something that needs to be reflected because you can't just pretend it doesn't exist because then when you do that, you end up with like a Donald Trump election because you see that there are so many of these hidden voices that are, you know, secretly underground dominating a narrative. It also seemed like she was very entertaining, very funny, very sort of outspoken. And I very think Brandy you need Glanville. that. Very Brandy Glam. Yeah. Yeah. Which you need on these. You need a wild somebody who's a little wild yeah. on these shows, even the conservative ones. Um, so I'm not. Yeah, sad no, to wait, see I'm her- actually, to be honest, I'm a little surprised that they went through with firing her. I think what happened is the show got so dark because then, you know, there were accusations that she was, you know, racist and all of this other stuff, which she then accused Bronwyn because Bronwyn kind of said that her cast members were racist and they were anti-LGBTQ, which they kind of were like, well, whoa, we've gone to like drag shows with you. We marched in pride. We'd like support you, you know, your you and your kids. And like, you know, it was very much like when you start throwing out those accusations. And I think had it been two, three, four eight years ago, it would have been a different, the accusation wouldn't have held as much weight, but considering all of what was going on last year, that held so much more weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Andy was commenting that she's one, that Kelly was one of the, or she's a rare housewife who ultimately was sort of, they had to step away from because of her uh, her online presence as opposed to what she was actually doing on the show. Yeah. Like, for example, Lisa Vanderpump was, fu- she, I'm sorry, she wasn't fired, but Lisa Vanderpump's downfall came from what she was doing on the show, not yeah. what she was doing off, you know, right, off right, camera. Right, right, right. Um, so I found that to be interesting. Can we talk about Bronwyn? Yes, because I need to know what you think about Bronwyn because so Bronwyn was let go. So Kelly, I think, was let go just in the collateral damage of it all. They're like, it's just it's gotten too dark. It's gotten too out of hand. We kind of just need to unfortunately cut ties with that. And I think her time was done. I think she gave a good few solid years and then it just at some point you have to know when to get off the train Um, with Bronwyn, though. What happened was her storyline no longer became relatable to people. And I think people saw through the disingenuous personality she would project on the show. Because it's like in this last season, she remarried her husband. They had a vow renewal where they, you know, said we had a rough patch in COVID quarantine and we've come back together and we're getting married. And then by the end of the season, she's like, I'm a lesbian and I have a new girlfriend. So at the beginning of the season, we're this, remarried. This I followed very closely. I, I did watch a bit of the Braun one stuff. So for me, I didn't. So I understood how she no longer became relatable to the cast member, especially if you have people that are tuning in to watch Kelly Dodd, who's very conservative. Then you have, which actually I don't think she's as conservative as, as people paint her, to be honest. But um, 
with Bronwyn, you have people that are watching for Kelly Dodd and they like Kelly Dodd because she reflects their views. And then you have someone like Bronwyn who comes out and she's just like, you know, my son is is queer and now I'm queer and I have this open marriage and I have, you know, I like my husband, but I've never been attracted to my husband. But now I have a girlfriend. Like it was just too like, whoa, what's going on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you see her, she's doing marches for, you know, doing the March for Black Lives Matter, but then she's hiring a photographer to take photos of her. And then that gets exposed. It's like all of it was just so disingenuous that it's like, I don't, I can't even root for you because none of this feels real. But what do you think about Bronwyn? She's gone out. She's left the show. She immediately, the day the news leaks, starts doing podcast interviews and then is saying that she was let go because she was the first lesbian housewife. Wow. Okay, so this is a lot. Yeah. Um, Bronwyn, I think, ultimately was fired for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. None of which... Or that she's gay. Okay. Do you or even whatever? Like, I feel like this is a hot and loaded question, but like, what is your take on the fact that she is married to her husband, says that she's not attracted to him and has never been attracted to him, but is now claiming to identify as a lesbian? Listen, I think there are a lot of people, I've known people in my life who they start dating women. This doesn't happen with guys. Like with boys, like you know your sexuality from like the time you're seven. Like you know what you're attracted to. Um, Correct? Yeah. Okay. So with women, I do think sexuality is much more fluid. And I have had a number of friends who came out in their 20s. Granted, Bronwyn is like, it's. I'm, I'm just going to give you my experience. I do have a number of friends who came out in their 20s, had full-blown relationships with women. I have, I have one friend who uh, she was in a seven year relationship all throughout her twenties into her thirties with, with her partner, they were going to get married and have children. And then they wound up breaking up because she like sort of saw herself with a man. So you go, they go through this whole process of maybe initially dating guys or not initially dating guys. Then they go through the whole coming out process and then they realize Maybe this isn't quite what they what they want. And I think this is a version of that where, well, first of all, she may be having a midlife crisis. Like who knows really what's going on? But I think women are really complicated when it comes to sex and sexuality. Men are so straightforward. Yeah. Like this is why I often joke that I was a guy. Like I really wish that I was a gay guy instead of a, 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 a woman, instead of a gay woman. Um, because dealing with women, you're going to come across whack jobs like Bronwyn. Yeah. My question is, Does why this stay make married? Sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I, you know, I had to watch my mother kind of go through that transition herself where, you know, now she is in a very long-term committed relationship with a woman and, you know. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah she, oh, um, I didn't know that she had me i was the oopsie whoopsie in high school that nobody saw coming and then she eventually she got married she was married to a man she had two more kids they had they were together for about 10 years and then i mean there are so many other details but like um then she you know she ended up meeting a woman and they connected and have been together ever since um and i want to say it's been maybe 10 years now is this the first woman she ever had a relationship with um I would assume it's the first woman she's had like a long-term committed relationship with Um, whether or not she's hooked up or done anything, you know, prior to her marriage or during her marriage or whatever. Like that's up in the up. Have you run this? Does she watch the housewives? No, she doesn't. Her partner does though. Have you spoken to either of them about Bronwyn or just to get their take? I don't think they're, my mom's like totally anti housewives and and I get it. Um, 
but her partner, who I get along with very well, um, I think I don't think she likes Bronwyn. I don't think because again, when you watch the show, you just for me, yeah. like when I look at that, I feel like it's somebody. And then you see that there are um, her mother, Bronwyn's mom is very narcissistic. And then Bronwyn even admits that she has elements of narcissism herself, that it's like, it feels like she's looking for an identity. And so she's like, what's, what's a hot topic right now. And that's not to say that maybe she's not questioning her sexuality or she's not fluid, but it's like, it feels like she's trying, like who does a whole people spread being, being like, I'm a lesbian now and I'm dating a woman, but I'm, you know, I'm still married to this man. It's like, what does that do to your family and your husband and your children? And then to say that like on national television, I've never been attracted to this man. I like him, but I'm not into him. Then why are you dragging him along? I think the husband, Sean, I think the husband, the children, and I'm sure friends, like other people in her life are now sort of collateral damage or victims of her a self-obsession b addiction to fame this is a person who i think made being famous her identity i think she wanted this so badly i think when you have that many children you i mean I, i know just people who have even just like two kids, they feel that they like a lot of women feel that they like lose their identity. And I think having that many children, I can't even imagine what that does to a person. Um, Even hormonally, I know that like once you have kids, like even like your hormones change. But I think, you know, she, I think she really started just living for the applause. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, staging those photo shoots and, like just so insanely thirsty for attention and latching on to whatever cultural moment was happening that day. It's, it's desperate. It is. And people saw that. And I mean, the fact that you immediately go on a podcast and just start talking about and making an accusation like that, it's just, and then, and I understand, and she's like, well, I'm, oh, and so that was the thing. Then she, like, had words she with then Kelly Dodd. she denied it. Yeah, and she then had words with Kelly Dodd, who, you know, is like, you're literally the reason we got fired, which isn't, I don't fully agree with. Um, I think Bronwyn definitely, like, tarnished the show a little bit, and that's why they had to reboot it. But I don't necessarily think Bronwyn is the reason you know, for all the cast firings and Bronwyn's like, oh, well, I'm still sober and I'm still gay. And then less than 24 hours later, she has a rainbow shirt that says still sober, still gay. And I'm just like, it's so desperate at this point that I'm just like, I can't even give you because to me, I see that and I'm like, for people that really do live this queer experience or a sober experience, like whatever it is that they're going through, to me, it cheapens and dilutes that experience for people. You know what I mean? Because it's like Completely. somebody that's really struggling with that and wants to see themselves reflected on television and deserves to see that reflected on television. It becomes a mockery because this person is not taking it seriously. She's using it as a gateway to get famous. And also, isn't she like a pathological liar? Po- possibly, probably. Yeah, like from what I'm hearing, like she lies about like a, a bunch of different stuff. So who knows? I mean, I guess we just have to take her word for it, but who, who knows? Um, Andy had said on his show that it was during the reunion that he was like, it it may be irresponsible to have Bronwyn on television. And I think this that kind of speaks to it. But it also made me think, hmm, okay, so if it's irresponsible to have Bronwyn on television because she's going through all of these, like, not crises, but all of these big moments in her life, is it responsible or irresponsible to have Erica Jane on television? I think it's irresponsible to have Bronwyn on television for the same reason it would be irresponsible for them to have Kim Richards on television because they're not mentally well. You know what I mean? Like Bronwyn is unwell and became so addicted to the fame. Like her first season was like, I'm in an open relationship. And that was like, ooh, that's, you know, it's taboo, but it's pushing the boundary and we're liking it. And I think she saw that it was 
exciting for people that she just came out hard and is like, now I'm sober and now I'm gay and now I'm renewing my marriage, my vows to my husband. And I, you know, like it was just, it was too much. Like I couldn't even imagine going through a year of sobriety and coming out at the same time and doing that on national television while, you know, exposing that to the world. Like you're opening your family up. You know what I mean? And and that wasn't even a consideration for her was like my family and how is this going to affect my kids and how are these comments going to affect my husband if I really do love him like I say that I do because I just recommitted to him is this love or is this me just being selfish and like yes I understand there's a need for people to be selfish for their own self care and self love absolutely but there's a certain boundary you need to have if you love somebody else that when you choose to love other people whether it's their children or their spouse like that is a selfless act when you're in a relationship you're not a me you're a we and you're you know don't be in a relationship if you can't be committed to somebody else and their health and well-being like Sean is very much being like you need to take this because this is what you need for you and I love you so I'm gonna sacrifice this for you she doesn't have that same respect for her husband didn't she also make comments about her daughter being bipolar and the meds she's on wasn't that a whole thing maybe maybe i'm not i think that's really twisted to talk about your kids mental health when they're like that's so again it's just throwing everything against the wall some of it may be accurate some of it you know some may be embellished some may not but even if parts of it are are accurate it's just I find that disgusting to talk about your such talk about like your kids. Yeah, I know there were issues with her daughter and her daughter like hated her for a while and was posting things on social media. Like I know that was a thing for a minute. Um, And it's like, you know, it's one thing to put your kids on television and that in and of itself is a big thing for them, you know, and Mm -hmm. an experience they're going to have to live with for the rest of their life. But then to go out and put all your dirty laundry out there and then expose their laundry, like it's just... I'm glad she's moved on from the show to your point with her in comparison to Erica. It's different. I think because one, I don't think Bron- it's healthy for Bronwyn to be on television. And I don't think fame is healthy for her. And with Erica Jane, it doesn't make it any different than local news exposing a tragedy that happened down the street. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. scandalous and it's, you know, unfolding and we're following that story of scandal, you know, that at this point has just become news that, and you know, and Erica Jane has opened herself up to that. She's continued to film the rest of the season. She may continue to film in future seasons. Um, You know, it's the same reason you can say Netflix shouldn't do uh, documentary series on serial killers and murders. And why are we making movies about Jeffrey Dahmer? Like, you know, people are going to tune into that. People love the scandal. People love the crime. People love to watch those stories. And, you know, I feel like it's it's the same thing. I mean, half of the people that are saying you need to fire Erica Jane are out there watching true crime. True fucking crime is true mu- murder stories of people that killed people. Erica Jane has yet to actually been convicted or charged or proven guilty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the more I think about it, it's like, of course, they're going to continue to have like Jen Shah and uh, I mean, look, look what the Teresa's like, you yeah. know, Teresa checks in special. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Well, not only that, but like, look at what Teresa's start on the show was the table flip. You know what I mean? That Like, right. these aren't morally good people. These aren't people with a manner. It's like she flipped a fucking table, called somebody a prostitution whore. That's what made her so popular. Then goes to prison, comes out of prison, has a multi-million dollar paycheck ready for her. One mil for the show, one mil for her book deal. Like, mm-hmm. come on. This is just the culture that we live in. We thrive off of scandal and controversy as much as you want to hate it or say you want to hate it you are still tuning into it and people are still talking about it yeah Bronwyn on the other hand is just somebody that is not mentally well you know she's very much like if you watch the show and you see her mom she's very much like her mother very selfish self-absorbed and narcissistic yeah that's somebody that you don't necessarily need to be giving that that kind of platform to platform yeah because then you're using it irresponsibly to hurt the people around you that you seemingly love Mm -hmm. 
Do you know anything about the new people, the new housewives who they hired for OC? So they are, I know they've been interviewing Heather Dubrow's friends. So there's likely going to be one or two of her friends that will be introduced into the show. I mean, if you fire three housewives, I assume you have to bring in three housewives. Noella, who is like a young socialite in Orange County, has also uh, been greenlit to join the show. She was Bronwyn's friend. And so Bronwyn also talked about how she's having a hard time that her friend that she introduced to come on the show is now on the show. And she's having a hard time with that. Um, I think Noella will be probably the Kelly Dodd replacement. She'll be a combination, a balanced combination of Kelly Dodd and Bronwyn. She's going to bring heat. She's going to bring drama, but she's going to bring like a young, affluent kind of energy to the show that I think will help part of like this reboot. And Heather Dubrow will kind of be what anchors the show. Cool. And so Heather Dubrow's friends will likely be announced very soon. Um, Tamara Judge is likely going to be coming in as a friend of. I think it makes the most sense to see her be the person that reintroduces Heather to the group because Heather has no connection to any of the current women other than Shannon Bedore. And my understanding is her and Shannon Bedore have never really made up since their beef when she was originally on the show. So you can't really have Heather be introduced through Shannon. Tamara Judge, who knows all the women, I think would be the most organic Mm -hmm. person to kind of reintegrate her. It's interesting. I'm curious to see, you know, I've always watched OC from afar and I'm, and, and these past, you know, bunch of seasons have just been uh, seemingly hated by fans. I'm curious to see if people find this to be like a rebirth of sorts. It'll be interesting because you have, characters like Vicky and Kelly that very much caused a big stir on the show that it'll be interesting to see if this works. If bringing Heather Dubrow in, I think Heather Dubrow and Noella will definitely bring a breath of fresh air to the show. Why did they keep Emily Simpson? I like Emily Simpson. I don't like Gina. I I like Emily as more of a light comic relief. Is she going to have a strong storyline? No, but she can be like a, I mean, it's the same reason you need Sonia on New York and Melissa on New Jersey Jer- like, Jersey, or right. Jersey. Now, obviously Melissa had a very different role in the earlier seasons when there was the beef with Teresa and the whole family drama, but like you need a housewife that can kind of provide some balance. That's not always going to be high drama. That's not always going to have a strong storyline, but the kind of, just is there, can be kind of pretty, can have a a cute little line here or there, but like can carry the show when we need to have a break. You know, you have characters like Ramona who can be very polarizing and you have characters like Leah who can be very aggressive and you have characters like Bethany that can be very dominant that you need kind of just like that cool, chill person. Totally. Emily's the cucumber of OC. It's cool. It's chill. You can enjoy it. It's not that, you know, exciting, but you can flavor it up. Bring it in the bedroom. Got it. Have some fun with it. I don't like her husband, but, you know, I think I don't. Oh, he's the one who failed the bar. Is he? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we could have done without Gina. I've. I don't know what it is about Gina that I've never really enjoyed to watch. Hmm. I mean, I get it. She has a compelling storyline with the domestic violence with her ex, but like, and, but I feel like at this point they've like mended and are in a better place that at this point, that storyline has run its course. Um, I think Gina's more of like the original Bethany when Bethany came in and she's with all of these highbrow women and she's kind of struggling and she's a little more scrappy and she's just trying to get back on her feet. I feel like that's Gina's role on the show. She's the younger. Or, yeah, she's a little bit younger and she's just trying to get on her feet. Interesting. Like okay. Last season, her storyline was that she bought a house and then Shannon okay. Bedore came in and she was like, this is a very modest house. <laughs> um, OK, any other questions or thoughts about OC before we move on to Yashar? Um, OK, if I were, I guess like my final question would be, if I were to start to watch OC, what season should I start at? Oof, I'm not the good person to ask that question because I didn't start until Vicky's last season. So mm. I didn't even know the golden eras other than the yeah. clips that made moments and the scenes and the memes and the gifs or gifs, however you say that. Um, other than that, I mean, I would think if you're going to jump into a housewife show, you have to start at the first season. 
You know what I mean? Mm. How many times have you gone back and rewatched New York and been like, oh, a hundred. It's a full experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say season one and then just like take the ride all the way through and see how different the show is and how much it's evolved and changed. The only other thing I would talk about OC is the the feud between Kelly Dodd and Gigi from Shaws of Sunset. Have you seen that at all? No. Kelly. So I'll, I'll recap you. Kelly Dodd got fired. Gigi came out and is like, thank God she got fired. Kelly Dodd then responded and is like, who are you? Like, what are you even commenting about my fire? Like, I don't even know you. And then Gigi's like, uh-huh. listen up, girl. I was on Shaza Sunset way before you were ever on Real Housewives of OC. I'm an OG on my show. I've been on Bravo a lot longer than you have. And I will stay on Bravo a lot longer than you have. I started my show and I will end my show, girl. And then <laughs> Kelly Dodd's like, who are you? And then Gigi's like, I'm Golnessa a.k.a. Loch Nessa, and I'm going to reintroduce myself to you, girl. And then there was a clip of Kelly Dodd's first reunion where Andy Cohen asked Kelly if she could be on another show, what show would she be on? And Kelly Dodd in that reunion said that she would be on Shaws of Sunset because they seem really fun. And then that's when Gigi comes out and she's like, see, how is it that you used to watch Shaws of Sunset in season one? I'm an OG girl, Gigi the OG, and I came in to rock this shit and this is my show. Even though if anybody really watches Shaws of Sunset, they really see like Reza and MJ. And so that's when Kelly Dodd is like, I know of Reza and MJ. She's like, but you clearly weren't that memorable for me to remember you and I haven't seen Shaws of Sunset in five years. And then Gigi's like, oh, really, girl? You want to come if you don't know your Bravo family, you don't need to be in this Bravo family. And then Kelly Dodd's like, who are you, Golosh? She's like, I can't even pronounce your name. And then Gigi's like, you're going to call me Goulash? Well, that guess what, Kelly? Miss Dodd, because she wouldn't call her Kelly. She would call her Miss Dodd. She's like, guess what, Miss Dodd? You're fired. Hashtag Goulash. And I'm like, you're complaining that she called you Goulash, and then you're hashtagging it Goulash. And it was just, it's a hot, it's the break between the shows and it's it's fun i don't think everyone's like are you team it just happened it just happened right after kelly dodd got fired so this has been happening over the past several days Uh, and they just keep going back and forth and i'm just like when is this gonna end and kelly dodd is still just like i don't know who you are and Gigi's like well let me tell you who i am every time it's a new video and a paragraph of like who Gigi is and i'm like kelly doesn't care to get to know you um clearly and so People are like, well, are you team Kelly or are you team Gigi? I'm like, I don't, I'm Kourtney Kardashian and I don't know what's going on. I'm just appreciating my bread. That's where I stand on the Gigi and Kelly of it all. I don't care to pick a side. It's just fun to watch. We don't need to pick a side. They're both not great human beings. They both have terrible things that they've done online and on their television shows. They're Bravo reality stars and they're in a feud and it's fun to watch. That's where I'm at. Give me my my housewives watching wine. Give me my popcorn. And I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Ta- okay, so explain to me this Yashar Ali situation because I've seen him on Twitter. I've seen mm-hmm. um, this fairly kind of handsome-ish guy on Twitter with a decent-looking avatar or profile photo. And then this expose comes out about a week ago saying that he is basically this Hollywood... I mean, is a con artist fair to call him? He's not a con artist, but he's a grifter would be like a better word for him. Um, Did you read the article? I read the highlights from the article. So I saw okay. like that he was connected to like uh, Kelly Griffin and he I wanted to come into it as more of like because I feel like most people know him the way Me, I know yeah. him. And I feel like you've really dove in deep into this. So if there's anybody that can explain it, I feel like you can break it down. OK, so this is a fascinating story. Um, if anybody followed the Anna Delvey expose she basically was like a fake socialite and yeah. like was living for free in hotel rooms this is like sort of a vibe but this is but this guy reached levels of power that it, it's just rarefied air what he was sort of was able to so accomplish. how would you describe him like was he is it fair to describe him as like a journalist yes so yeah. he's he's a journalist that became friends with celebrities and would kind of mooch off of them correct so Basically, who, okay, who is Yashar Ali and like, why do we care? Why is he important? Why did they write this expose in uh, Los Angeles Magazine? So he's an independent journalist, uh, a media figure. He came out of the political world. He actually started as a, t- a TV production assistant on ER. And 
when he saw that he wasn't going to be able to kind of move up the ranks fast enough, he jumped to the political world, which is already nuts, like to make that sort of move. Like these are two worlds that are not that are not connected. So when he moved into the political world, for years, he was working as a fundraiser uh, for politicians. He worked for Hillary Clinton on her 08 campaign. He was hired by Gavin Newsom. He like built a network of politicians, donors, and then reinvented himself as a Twitter personality and was able to, through his, his Twitter feed, was able to amass over like 700. And right now he's at like around 750,000 followers on Twitter, which is good for Twitter. Yes. But much like the way, like, do you even know how you started like following him? Like, have you been following him on Twitter? I don't think I even follow him. I would just see other people liking and retweeting his stuff. And I think probably the elections and politics were what brought him to the forefront. So yes, this is the thing. Everybody was retweeting his tweets, like very famous people like Kathy Griffin, um, huge figure like the president of CNN all these people were like retweeting him so in the way that people started following him on Twitter it was more just by association mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and he started writing for when he reinvented himself as a twitter personality he started writing for the huffington post and new york magazine and then when the me too movement kicked off he started breaking a string of legit scoops about Harvey Weinstein, Les Moonves. And then he was doing stories like tie it to the Black Lives Matter movement. He was kind of riding the cultural wave. Yeah. And he in the article, he somebody uh, refers to him as the canceler in chief. Like he mm. kind of came to prominence by exposing people who should be, quote unquote, canceled. Right. But what's interesting is that he came out of fucking nowhere as a journalist. Like it typically takes years to build these these kinds of sources. And the thing is, he would never name his sources and all of these exposés where he literally got, I think, who was it? I I wrote it down. He got, oh, the he got a a Netflix executive fired. He wrote a story about an ABC News exec got fired. In fact, he wrote a whole thing about Sharon Osbourne. And I think that contributed to her firing. Mm. But the thing is, his source, it's kind of like, trust me, trust me. I got 30 sources. They can't Mm. be named, but you got to trust me. That's the type of quote unquote sourcing that he does. But the scoops are legitimate, at least in terms of like the Me Too movement and all of that. And so anyway, this... uh, LA Magazine reporter, he's always been somebody who people were a little bit skeptical of. Like, I have just like random friends in my life who would be like, oh my God, that fucking Yashar Ali. Uh, Yashar Ali. Like, they would always like eh, sort of like snark about him that mm-hmm. like there was a lot of suspicion about him. And so this LA mag writer, uh, Peter Kiefer, he was like, I'm going to, you know, he pitched the idea to to the magazine and also the magazine wanted to do the piece. And so he started really digging into like, who is this guy? Who are his connections and all this? And so Yashar actually took part in the article. Like he agreed to be interviewed for the piece. So the the writer like interacted with him and he documents like these very strange interactions that he has with Yashar. He asked Yashar for sort of like, can you give me a list of like your famous friends? Because like clearly he has all these contacts. Can you give me some sort, some people that I can contact uh, to sort of, you know, chat about with you? He handed him he handed the reporter a list of 40 bold-faced names, including Busy Phillips, Chrissy Teigen, Megan McCain, Abby Huntsman, CNN president Jeff Zucker, okay? All of these people know him and love him, but they don't know him. When he spoke to each of these people, the writer, they were like, oh, yeah. I, when, he, they asked, when the writer asked, like, how did you meet him? They were like, you know – I have no idea how I met Yashar, but just suddenly he was in my life and he like now he's just around all the time and he's become like a trusted confidant, a trusted source, which is very suspicious. 
Right. Like, don't you remember how you meet people? He, I mean, I imagine he's like one of those moochers that becomes friends with someone that is friends with someone and comes into a party and kind of just like slowly works the room and you just recognize him and see him more and more because he's, you know, coming in the back door because he gave a blowjob to the chef. Yeah. Yes. He, He basically, he lives his life the way he lives his Twitter feed, which is exactly what you just described sort of just like friendships by association and the way people would retweet him then very credible like these huge writers would then follow him and then therefore people like me and like you and just anybody would begin following that's how he amassed this following the kathy griffin thing is very interesting so when the trump had the trump photo thing happened she was obviously like at her lowest point he swooped right in. He swoops in when the people are very vulnerable. And he said, let me take over your social media. He makes himself indispensable Mm. to people. He did this to Gavin Newsom also. The story with Gavin Newsom is he was running his social media and he would never give up the password to his social media, to to his Twitter account. Why? This is what they teach interns. What you you teach interns is make yourself indispensable. Yeah. If he's the only one that control can control his Twitter account, they can't get rid of him. He becomes the most powerful guy in the room. Right. So with Kathy Griffin, he did a similar thing. He took over her social media. He basically became like a very he was gonna like really try and rehab her image he wrote a glowing profile about her for uh, I think New York magazine and he moved into her house and Kathy and the in the article he spoke the writer spoke to Kathy Griffin and he claims he was there for six months she claims he he was there more like nine or ten months and she says, like, then it just became, like, very weird. Like, and those are a lot of the the interactions. Like, he'll get really close to someone of, of prominence, and then it'll get very weird. Like, he sort of, like, overstays his welcome. And another thing about him is he's, like, big into philanthropy. Like, if you look at his yeah. Twitter feed, it's a lot about, like, the wildlife and the elephant, like, saving the elephants. And he has like a very erratic personality on Twitter. Like it'll be one tweet will be like breaking a huge news story. The next tweet will be about um, he did this whole thing that he was going to collect money from people uh, to give to the wildlife preservation, but he wanted you to send him money through Venmo and then he would allocate the money where it belonged, which I think there's actually like strict rules and regulations like when it comes to Venmo, like it can't be used for like charitable donations or anything like this. So that's there's just like a lot of shady shit. So between all of this, so all of this was exposed in the article and I was listening to an interview with the writer and he kind of said in the, oh, so currently in the end, as the article was becoming he Yashar kept asking for the article to be delayed. He's like, can you just hold it off another like two months? Like, can you hold it off another month? And they were like, okay. And in that time, he started alluding that he was alluding on Twitter that ha- he was having suicidal ideation. So he put the writer and the magazine in a very tough position. Right. Like ethically, like, okay, are we now like He's just a master manipulator. He seems really smart. And he seems like everything he does is very calculated and thought out. Yeah. So what was yeah. your takeaway from, I mean, other than he's now been exposed, like I assume I, everyone that supported him is now withdrawing their support, but I just looked at his account and he still has well over 700,000 followers. I th- I think he had more. I mean, that's the interesting thing is like, okay, what's the takeaway? Well, People just love like for things to be exposed like this. He's not, you know, just the the store. It's just interesting. The story about Kathy Griffin, like, no, this thing about the Venmo. And and, she kicked him out of her house, right? She ended up kicking him out. Oh, yeah. She had assistants like escort him out. And he was like, no, I she had a going away party for me. But she was like, no, I had to have him like escorted off. And I had to hire two people to make sure his things got packed up and he left. 
the writer of the article said he's like he was asked like could you have kept going with it and he's like honestly he's like yeah I could have kept going but Yashar made it he like was giving him a fucking headache like just dealing with him and just he's like I had to end it yeah he's like I had he's like somebody else can take it over and like keep going he's like but I had to like it was like check please like this is like annoying the hell like we just had to like get it out it's so funny. It's just to, fascinating. It's so funny to just see somebody that was so good at exposing other people finally get exposed himself. I mean, and it's yeah. so, but it's like you see that, I guess, especially in Los Angeles and in Hollywood, you see so many of those like moochers and leechers and people that kind of work their way into a room. I mean, and part of it's hustle and grind, but another part of it is just like thirst and ambition. And like mm-hmm. not a healthy ambition, but like a I just want to be famous, like a Bronwyn ambition. Yeah, a thirsty. Yes. Yeah, I I was I had a thought when I was sort of like you know really doing all the research about this to like explain it to you. It is very housewife housewivesian yeah. of him, like living. It's like wasn't Bronwyn like renting her house for the first season? Like wasn't that a whole yeah, thing? Yeah, I think a lot of them were. Like he. Just collecting these sources and collecting these friends, I think it's, it's if anything, it's just a commentary on the state of modern media, yeah. how anybody can become a quote unquote journalist without having ever gone to school, without, you can kind of like climb your way to the top very quickly if you are, if you, if you're really manipulative through social media through association and listen we know people like this there are a lot of people like this who housewives are actually like the biggest victims to this because housewives befriend fans yeah and will let them into their houses and that's how people like your fan yeah that's yeah. how Yashar gets there is because it's like, or that's how people like him get in because, and I think what it is with housewives is they're so new to the fame that they're just trusting and they're like, oh, this person is really sweet to me and says really nice things and like seems like a really decent person. Kisses my ass. Kisses my ass. Has endless money. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. If anybody hasn't read the Yashar piece, it is very fascinating and I recommend yeah. you go in and dive into it. Um Jess, where can people follow you? Podcast? Uh, the podcast is called Hot Takes and Deep Dives. You can follow me, Jess XNYC. That's it, baby. Jess XNYC. You can drink my wine. No. That's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> you don't have a wine line yet? Not yet. I mean, like a po- everyone has a podcast. Everyone should just start having a wine line. I know. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jess. Love you, Jess. Everyone needs Thank to listen you. to Hot Takes and Deep Dives with Jess because she has really great I mean you've had some really great guests on recently everyone needs to listen to your Rosie O'Donnell interview because that one was like groundbreaking thank you you just did a Tabitha interview which I really loved from Tabitha's Tabitha's Salon Takeover right that was her show I used to love that show Um, yeah you always have like such great icons on your show that you get to break down in like a fun humanizing way thank you so go listen to Hot Takes and Deep Dives with Jess Rothschild because she has a really great podcast. I'm sure you'll come on again and we'll have another expose to reveal on this Hopefully. show. On hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. Thank you guys for listening. You can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. Follow the show at No Filter with Zach and get my wine at nofilterwine.com. Send me pics. I mean, a lot of you are sending me pics. Also, just like beware. It's strong. 12.8% alcohol. So it will get you Liddy City. I don't know how many people come to me and they're like, I didn't realize how strong it was. I'm like, how many times do I have to tell you guys? It's strong, but it's good. Um, thank you guys for listening please leave me a five-star review because i'm a millennial and i love that validation mike showhead from shaza sunset is on the show this wednesday and he's spilling lots of tea on reza and the rest of what's to come on shaza sunset so get ready i'll talk to you guys wednesday bye